Oh God, is rubbish. We're doing a new. We're doing a turn on the podcast. We're Ooh. pivoting towards uh, Ricky Gervais style humour. Oh. Oh, I see. Where you you just say a thing that conservatives I uh, think, or that atheists, or that a certain group thinks, and go, "I said it." Ooh. Right? Are you are you offended? I said God's rubbish. Oh. He's an idiot. God. Could have done a better job. Oh. Right, Robert Downey Jr. has had a drink. <laughs> I've broken all the taboos. Oh, dear. Sometimes comedy is just saying a thing that you say you're not allowed to say, but you're clearly allowed to say because you're saying it. Yeah, comedy, instead of making people laugh, I've learned, is making people upset. The more people you make upset, the f- Funnier the joke is? Or or even just the more people who disagree with the thing you said, even if they don't actually care? Right, yeah. That's another good joke that I've been learning lately. I've been picking up comedy tips. Um, and another good joke is to just state your beliefs. Yeah. And then say liberals are stupid. <laughs> yeah. uh... Oh, how is everyone? I've got obsessive compulsive disorder. <laughs> I don't know why I growled it. I've got obsessive compulsive disorder. I'm glad you know you have the thing. Hopefully that makes the thing easier to deal with. Yeah, I've been collecting them all. It's like Pokemon. Gotta be afflicted by them all. Look, neurodivergences are a bit like that. If you've got one, you start realising, oh, I've got a whole fucking bunch of these things. Right? It's like opening tabs in Wikipedia. Yeah. It's it's like magnets. You you got one magnet and suddenly you realise a bunch of other ones stuck to it and you're like, where'd they all bloody come from? Yeah. Yeah. So, right, I've almost got enough for a full alphabet. I've got ADHD, I've got BP2, I've got CPTSD, and now I've got OCD. Yeah. I need something with a Z in it. <laughs> what is what is an illness with a Z in it? Ah, uh, there's gotta be one. Oh, I need X as well. Um is it a disorder if I fuck a xylophone? Because I'll do it. I'll cram my little dicklet in it. Look, if you can catch the Zika virus, that's going to get the Z-, the Z off for you. Brilliant. Um, yeah, so you're looking for an X. Uh, you could, what could you get with an X? You could get extensively drug-resistant tuberculosis. <laughs> 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 you can add that on there. Oh, it's good to have goals. Exactly. I'm not well. That's one thing I've learned this year, folks. I'm not well. I'm being open about because we've been open about this kind of stuff on the podcast yeah. before, and it helps people. Helps people feel seen and related, relatable. I know talking about ADHD on videos had someone telling me they were like ugly crying because they'd never heard a relatable story that sounded like what they deal with. It can be a real long journey working out all the stuff going on in a brain. I didn't work out that a big chunk of mine was ADHD until this year. I took until I was like 20 to discover that autism was one of them. Like, it's a, it's a journey and you, you got to be open about it because otherwise no one, everyone feels alone in the stuff they go through. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, our inclination culturally and, and socially online is to present the best, you know, version of oh, ourselves, God, yeah. you know. And I mean, personally, I'm kind of of the opinion that the best version of yourself is all of you because that is all of you. But yeah. I get it. I yeah. understand. Uh, but that just creates an environment for other people where they feel even more marginalized. And 
you know, I think if we were all just a little more open about our problems, we'd all feel a little bit better about our problems. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Plus, I mean, there's media misrepresentation as well, you know. Mm -hmm. Like with OCD, at first I was surprised when my doctor suggested uh, that it sounded like I had it. Because I don't flick light switches on and off. Because that's what media shows. But then when I was doing my screening and describing my thought processes, I was like, well, fuck. This this screening is definitely going to come back and say I've got it. Because it really sounds like I've got it. Because <laughs> my OCD is all, like, in my head. I'm not... I mean, I'll lightly step on cracks on the fucking pavement. But, like, I'm not... My behaviours aren't necessarily obsessive. It's... It's what goes on in my head and what I might be compelled to say to people. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm not I'm not doing these actions that I must do, which is not to say that that's not part of it, but that's all people focus on. That's the thing. Like, I had this when, A, I was going through the diagnostic process for ADHD and, B, then trying to talk to my mother about, about being diagnosed with ADHD. I think that was the big one, was my mum had this really stereotyped image in her head of a hyperactive, energetic mm -hmm. uh, five-year-old boy running around getting into trouble. And not, I can do things, but I need a million sources of information at all times, and I can only get stuff done literally five minutes before deadlines, and I am an impulsive fuck. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the impulsivity, I deal with, like, with the ADHD, I deal with memory loss a lot, because I can't pay attention in the moment. I struggle with being present. Um, sometimes I feel like my connection to reality itself is strained and distant because I'm in my head all the time. And the OCD makes that even worse because you can't pay attention to what's going on in the moment, but all you can pay attention to is the one negative thought that decided to latch onto your brain for periods lasting either hours or an entire week. Just one thought over and over and over again. It's fucking torturous. My fun one with autism and ADHD together, which apparently they're real common together, is I'm simultaneously like, I have to be doing everything right now all of the time, but also everything has to be very regimented and very correct and can't be rushed. And that's fun to have both at once. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, I'm considering getting screened for autism as well, you know. There's something like 30% of people with one have the other, like it's a... Real high overlap Yeah, the more I've been hearing about that I'm like, a lot of that Sounds relatable Yeah Again, neurodivergences Tend to all fucking come bundled Together Yeah, They, they don't like to come by themselves There you go, that's been Mental Health Corner How's everyone doing? Mental Health Corner! <laughs> Woo! Yeah, God, OCD therapy though Not looking forward to that it's sounding intense, but I wish you luck. Yeah, it's either three hours a day or six hours a day, depending on what you go on, for like, mm. I think like five days in a row. And apparently it's really successful, but it's also really intense and really hard. So yeah. I'm nervous about that, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about some video games? Because that's ostensibly what we're here for. We can talk about video games. That's apparently what we do. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah, who's who's played a video game that they'd be like, yeah, I could, I could talk about that. Uh, I played like a million games this week. Yeah? I played loads. Do you want to tell me about one of them? I'll tell you about one of them right now. Yeah, as a treat, as, a, as my gift to you and the 
podcast listening world. Uh, I've played a game called Lost in Random, which I've had my eye on for a while. It's pretty good so far. I'm not mega far into it. It's If you look at it visually, it's like Psychonauts by way of Coraline or something like that. Ooh. It's a sort of action-adventure game. Uh, you play as this little girl called Even who lives in this kingdom ruled by random decisions. Basically, when you're 12 years old, uh, the queen rolls a dice, uh, which is the only dice allowed in the world. Everyone else with a dice was like killed off in the dice, uh, the no dice wars. I know what game this is. I, I, sorry, I've tweaked. What, this game looks really interesting. Mm-hmm. I've had my eye on it. I didn't know it was out. Yeah, when the premise is when a kid turns twelve, this dice is rolled and it determines where they live. Mm. And there are six places to live. Basically, there's like one town. Um, oh no, it was one something, two town, three topia, or something like that. Like yeah, yeah. all the sides of a dice, and the higher up they go, the higher your status is. Which is interesting. You know, it just shows how arbitrary the idea of social status is. Because the moment like someone from like a one becomes like a six, they're bullied by the others for being a oneer. But then have to be sort of integrated and and like everyone came from one of the other places but the moment they get a higher number they're suddenly acting like they're superior mm. uh, so there's some interesting stuff there about you know just the way st- society is structured and yeah the the main character even her sister odd rolls a six and is taken away from the family who are left in in basically the slum area and she decides to go on an adventure through all the other um all the other towns and cities to rescue her and outside of a fairly interesting art style and a a cool little premise uh, the gameplay is interesting yeah yeah there's like there's a lot of exploration and combat is combat's intriguing when you're in a combat situation you don't have any weaponry or an ability to fight um you've only got a little slingshot that you can use to uh knock crystals off of the enemies um a crystal spawns you knock it off another one spawns and the stuff that drops from those crystals you pick those up and when you get enough you draw a card from a hand of cards you've got and when you've got cards you can pause the combat and roll your little dice sidekick dicey which will determine how many points you get to draw the cards because each card has a point value sounds complicated but when you play it it like sort of demonstrates itself it sounds a little like that sort of um the back and forth flow of like your final fantasy 7 remake that sort of do your real time thing to get the points to do your yeah yeah to do do your actual thing you're building to yeah the difference here being the the cards are drawn at random from a deck that you build and they do things like spawn a bomb to blow the enemies up or spawn a sword or a bow so that you can actually fight and so you're constantly uh, getting these crystals and building these hands and playing the cards to keep the fight going so it's it's interesting yeah, I'm I'm looking at pictures of this now. I'd at no point heard there was a deck building aspect to this, and it looks really nice. Like I I'm a real sucker for a good deck builder aspect. It makes the combat not flow all that well, because there's a lot of stoppy starty, but it's still kind of it's fun and it's interesting. 
the story itself, the the characters uh, that you come across are all like well written. Uh, the dialogue can be quite witty at times, so it's a it's a fun game. It's a bit like technically rough. I'm playing the Switch version, and mm. the frame rate can be a bit stodgy at times. And I don't the movement controls are a little frustrating when you sprint, which is so slow. It, it might as well have not even been there. She turns like a sort of forklift truck, which I hate that kind of stuff. So getting around can be a little irritating, but it's been worth it to get through it. Like I said, I'm still not all that far, but I like it. I, I, I really like the character designs, except the main character, actually. Her arms are so long, it freaks me out. Um, just really long. But other than that, like the... Characters all look like they could be in some sort of like Nightmare Before Christmas style film or something. Um, really inventive character designs. Um, and yeah, yeah, really cool concept for a world. And, and yeah, I'm liking it. It's rough and not brilliant, it's, but it's good. You know, it's a, it's a hmm. solid little game. And yeah, that's Lost in Random. I, uh, I'm not not enjoying it. I... I'm intrigued enough by your explanation that I'm going to check it out because mm-hmm. it looked really good when I saw it in trailers. It looked really interesting. I was just waiting for someone to say, yeah, 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 yeah it's, it's interesting. That's all I needed. Yeah. It is one of those EA originals, which I didn't know when I got it. Uh, EA's involvement should oh. be slapped on the front like a Surgeon General's warning on cigarettes. <laughs> I also did not know that. Yeah. Oh, we'll talk about EA later. They're doing mm-hmm. some more bullshit at the moment. Yeah. Conrad, have you just got the one game this week? Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I play. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Do you want to talk about that now? Yeah, we could. Well, we can do that if you want to. Just get. I mean, I I'm not done with Inscription. But you feel done with it. <laughs> well, I've reached a conclusion, or what feels to me like a conclusion. So. I finished, and you can actually see how I ended the game because it's on a VOD, at least for a little while longer on my my stream. Yeah. And, and, you know, we should probably at this point just be like, hey, this is spoiler shit now. Yeah. We've, we've given you a few weeks of recommending this as a thing, and we're not, we're not going to go full spoilers, but, you know. No, nah, probably not. I'm in the fourth act bit where everything's falling apart, I guess is the, the way to put it. Yes, yes. And the game crashed on me. Oh, and that feels intentional. No. No? No. It didn't crash for me during that act. <gasps> I think you might have just had a very weirdly timed... Mm. What if it's like the, the mystery Fanta flavours, though? What if what if it crashes only certain copies to gaslight players? Well, here's here's the thing. Here's what's funny about it. Is that, like, at the moment of the crash, or within a few seconds before, it updated the save file. And so I've loaded it. And it's crashing. And you know what? I like that. I mean, honestly, that is not a million miles away from the actual ending. Mm-hmm. And I think that you have not missed anything vital by that being how the game has ended for you. Uh, I mean, I am aware of content past that point that exists. And, and I haven't seen it. And I'm fine with that. And I'm, yeah. It's neat. I'm playing it again because I know that there's also some other stuff that I didn't uh, discover or accomplish that I'd kind of like to check out. Also, it's just mechanically a damn fine game. Yeah, right. It is a really good game at having a core central mechanic, 
that it knows how long to leave you with before it makes it more complicated, and then knows how long to leave you with before it adds another layer or makes an adjustment. Yeah, it's it's so flexible at its core, mm. but the the method of introducing elements is it feels to me like just the right amount of pace that you're like you're at the point where you're ready to take something else on. And that is a problem I have with games that have cards. Yes. I think what this what inscription gets really right as a card based uh, sort of roguelike-ish uh, structure is that if you discover a card combo that is really good and really effective, you have just long enough to feel really cool, but not so long that it makes the game feel trivial before something changes and you have to reassess. But it also goes beyond that, because I'm I'm thinking like in the larger expansion of the game, you know, once you get out of that roguelike section, which is really only the first third of the game, you then have this second section, and it is more like a traditional deck building card collecting format. And that would have turned me off immediately. Because the idea of having to now look at a deck and structure it, I hate that shit. Like that, I, it's it, because I will waffle and spend a ton of time staring at it and pondering changes and then never fucking play the game again. Yeah. And so it's, it, when I hit that, I usually sort of stop cold. And in most games, that's the game. And here, now I've had a whole third of this game to get invested in the mechanics to understand how they work before I'm introduced to this. Now, my question for you is when you made it to that second section and you're faced with the choice of which of the four you're going to select, which did you select? So I have now done it twice. Mm -hmm. I've gone through the game twice. The first time I went with the... And again, we're going to talk a little bit spoiler, a little bit spoilery here. I went with the Necromancer first. Okay, yep. And then later, I went with uh, the person from the first act. Okay. I think the vast majority of players chose those two. I would tend to agree, I think. That is a subtle design choice that was made in its approach to teaching the player the game because if you chose either of the other two you're now faced with wholly new mechanics but you already have familiarity with the mechanics of both these two through having played the roguelike portion of the game because those are both present so if you select the necromancer you are changing focus but you're still familiar with how the mechanic functions I, so I'm, I'm, I was actually thinking about putting a Twitter poll out to ask people because I really do think that most people went that route. Also, it helps that there's an inherent coolness factor to choosing the, the undead route that I think also puts a little edge towards it. I think that the game really knows where players' emotional states are going to be and what they're going to be drawn to and works with that really well. Right, because I think... I think the experience would be much more painful if I had chosen either of the other two, which it, on top of that, mechanically, I don't think are as, as fun to use or as useful to use. The gem stuff that is interesting and useful 
mechanically, I find in Act Three, the uh, rope, the the bot focused one, that is very interesting, um, and adds a lot to it. But then when you, when it reappears in in the final mode, and I'm forced to play with it, I, I'm like, this is kind of a pain in the ass to use. Like it's very limiting. In hindsight, having used it more. I can see the fun in the style, but I think it is the mo- one of the more obtuse ones to get into. Right. So I, I'm doing a second run now, and I think I might try... I'll, I'll probably try the bot this run through and, and see, because I also, in that portion of the game, it subtly introduces energy, which becomes the entire focus of the third portion, but I didn't even notice existed or start paying attention to it at all in act two it just never crossed my mind linda on the other hand started immediately integrating those and was actually pretty well prepared for the change when the gameplay shifted again anyway i think it is uh all the way through a really brilliant mechanical design aimed at guiding nudging teaching the player how to get intimate with all of these at a pace that feels comfortable and it feels like you're developing mastery. Then that is one of the best things I think you can say about what is effectively a puzzle game. Agreed. It's a real good game. I like it a lot. It's a real good game. And now the other narrative wraparound stuff is it's very interesting. It's compelling. I like that it is smart enough to present you with information through alternate or subverted means that then appears later in the text, but doesn't require the context of you having gone and done that. It's more of a, oh, okay, I kind of understand what this is, but it's not necessary for you to have taken that extra step. Yeah. It it doesn't make you feel dumb. It makes you feel confused, but you're supposed to feel confused. I like it. I have nothing really else to add other than that the final act of that game had a moment that felt 1000% tailored exactly specifically to only me as an individual and I'm very happy about it. I've been playing some Forza Horizon 5. Very simple thoughts on that. It's a very pretty racing game. I appreciate its accessibility settings in terms of being able to do things like slow the entire uh, game speed down by incremental percentages, kind of like Celeste did, which is really nice. Options for having things like here's the optimal driving line and roughly where you should be braking is really good information. Nice soundtrack, visually good racing game if you enjoy something. Not too sim focused, something a little bit more arcadey. It's very fun. The narrative is a bit a bit colonialist in places. Mm. Uh, I'm going to give you one ex- one example that I think very well captures it. You're having this big racing tournament in Mexico, and it's largely people have flown from America to Mexico to watch this racing tournament happen. And at some point, you go off in a little buggy through the jungle to find somewhere to set up a new base to have more of this uh, driving tournament. Now, there's two things that happen along that journey. First of all, not very far away from, like, towns and things, you find, like, a very well-preserved, very high-quality, like, ancient temple. And the person you're on the fucking radio with describes it as you having discovered it. 
And that's like, mm, I'm pretty sure the fucking people of Mexico know this fucking good of a find exists. You did not find it, American who came here and just drove their car through a very geologically important site. But you come out the other side and you're in this like very tiny little remote village by the beach, like very much clearly an isolated remote community. And they essentially do a fucking star wipe to the fucking community completely gone. And there's just fucking lights and stands and race cars everywhere. And it has the vibe that they fucking flattened this tiny community to put a visiting racing tournament there. God. It's fucking weird. It has been a real distraction in my enjoyment of this game. Huh. Also, cool thing that is coming but is not yet there. Um, the game is going to have uh, British and American Sign Language interpreters during cutscenes, which, shame it's not there at launch and that it's not more countries, but it is a first for a AAA game to have uh, sign language interpreters picture-in-picture. Picture. Ah. But, Laura. <laughs> yeah? Some very, very contoured brains on Twitter.com have asked what the point of this is, because subtitles... Oh, no. Oh, no, I... Hadn't considered subtitles. Punctured with logic and reason. There couldn't possibly be an explanation as to why sign language is better. So here's the short version of why sign language is really useful to offer to people instead of just uh, subtitles or closed captioning. The syntax and sentence structure for sign language are typically very different to uh, written and spoken language. And as a result, spoken language and written language is often the second language of deaf and hard and fearing people who have been, say, deaf from birth. They can totally read subtitles, but it's going to be at a bit of a slower process because, you know, if anyone, if you're someone who's ever learned a second language, switching between syntaxes and sentence structures can take a second. Keeping up with subtitles in real time can be more difficult. Additionally, there's things like tone, pacing, intent that can be conveyed by a sign language interpreter that raw text just saying the words doesn't always convey. So yeah, th there's nuance in sign language and it's often easier to pass in real time. But yeah, it's cool that that's happening. Uh, you know what's not cool? Forza Horizon 5 was announced as being available day one on Game Pass. Mm -hmm. It was actually available four days before Game Pass if you were willing to pay £85. <laughs> God. <laughs> This fucking industry. They took the they fucking took the concept of early access, because EA does this all the fucking time as well. They took the concept of early access and like every concept, the AAA video game industry gets its slimy claws on. They just completely bastardized, mutated, and broke the bones of the idea to make it fit in to their shitty avaricious mold. Exactly. And you know what's like real annoying? How many fucking people defended this as no 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 release day isn't until four days from now it's only like it's like no if the game is playable by the public if the public can go out and buy it today today is its release day mm -hmm. you're not giving it to them early you're having a FOMO tax for people who don't want to wait four days and this is one of the silliest ones because it's like I've seen. Um... Special editions leveraged. I've seen, obviously, pre-orders leveraged. Pre-order now and play it a day or two early. But this, basically, if you've got Game Pass, it's spend $85 on this free game to get it early. After four days, what you've spent is valueless. Also, side note, 
there is actually a second option that was still going to cost you money to play it on day one with Game Pass, despite that lies, that was much, 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 much more obfuscated and hidden away, because of course it was. You could buy a DLC add-on pack for game the Game Pass version for £35, selling you DLC you may or may not want, in order to make your Game Pass version playable four days earlier. Fucking hell. <laughs> so the Game Pass version was totally playable, just, yeah, we're not going to let you use it unless you buy DLC first. Like, is it really... Is... Is... Is spending... Is it really that important? I guess, you know, it's this culture of FOMO we fucking cult. No, they've fucking... I'm not taking credit for that. They've fucking cultivated. Yeah, and... I'm not going to say this is entirely connected, but I know this has caused some people to make some purchases they regret. Mm -hmm. On Friday, the day that you could buy this game in the expensive edition early, but before it was available on Game Pass, a big media push was made about the British Sign Language interpreter support in the game. Mm -hmm. In every bit of coverage, the fact that that was not coming until after launch was very much buried at the bottom. It was not the headline. Oh, I know people who got excited that a game was going to finally have a bit of accessibility for them made an impulse purchase without realising that the thing they were buying it for wasn't yet in there. And this is a big part of why I say like day one on Gay Pass is really important, because like it allows people to download a game and see whether the accessibility settings they need are there or not. Yeah. Like, if this truly had been day one on Game Pass, people could have downloaded it, gone, oh, the sign language interpreters aren't there yet, I'll play it later. Mm-hmm. It, you shouldn't have got people excited about it on the day where they could only have it if they spend a bunch of extra money. Yeah. So, it's, it's a good game, but it's surrounded by a lot of bullshit that, like, I don't feel great about. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of... Um... This is an even more extreme example. I think it was a Resident Evil game, an old one, many years ago. Copies leaked, Mm -hmm. like, a week early and sold on eBay for silly amounts of money. And I'm, like, in a week, in a week, if you've spent hundreds of dollars to get this game early, you have just thrown that money in the toilet. How is it worth that much to you? to play a any video game a bit early. Yeah. Like, it's... It, it's... I, yeah. <laughs> that's all I've got. How How is it worth $85 to play it uh, uh, four days early? Just... It's a racing game. Well, I mean, I can understand if you're, say... Someone who thinks that, you know, or is planning to or does make money on a platform producing content around, you know, getting it. Yeah, sure. Maybe 85. Maybe you can make that money back. Oh, yeah. I mean, if if you can just if you could write it off on your fucking taxes, I guess fill your boots. But anyone else, I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, then again, I mean, I've talked about, and we talked about at the beginning of the show, like mental um, health and stuff. Like, impulse buying is something I've done many times. So I guess I do understand on that level. Yeah, we're so encouraged to buy. Yeah. It's such an exploitative system. Indeed. Uh, Steph, you played anything else this week? Oh, hell yeah. I played loads of stuff. Right. So I played a game called Popeye, and it stars Popeye, the Sailorman. If if you're unaware of who Popeye is, 
The man who's a sailor, yeah. The beloved, decades old, must be like over a hundred years old now or something, comic book and cartoon character Popeye. Brought a game out, it's on the Switch, it costs money. How much does it cost, do you, do you recall? Oh, I think it's like $12.99 or something. Yikes. It's so insultingly pathetic. Now, as Conrad and others have pointed out, um, which I didn't point out in the video because I didn't care enough to know, there is some history well, yeah. adjacent to this game. Uh, I'll describe, as Conrad said, it's sort of a remake. It's a really faithful adaptation of the mechanics of the, I think, I want to say 1983, 84 uh, arcade Nintendo game Popeye, um, which actually has other interesting history in that like, there's a connection to the Mario franchise in terms of, you know, an early inspiration or Donkey Kong. There was a Popeye game in the works at one point that didn't pan out, and then we get this one. And it bears a lot of similarities if you look at it mechanically too, like a Donkey Kong and and other games of that type. But what it is is you're you control Popeye on a two D plane uh, of platforms that there are steps up between them, uh, and you can navigate by crossing from one side of the screen to the next. You have Bluto or Brutus, depending on where in the world you were when you were playing this running around trying to kill Popeye and olive oil is at the top of the screen dropping hearts or in some stages letters that spell out uh, words uh, and you as Popeye have to collect these items as they drift down and uh, there is a bit of a timer thing because uh, you'll die if one of them makes it all the way to the bottom of the screen. That's more gameplay than is in what I played. <laughs> but that's essentially the game. Yeah. It takes place across, I think, three or four different stages. Uh, it's the first console video game I ever owned, which is like I have a very special connection to this. Um, I had the ColecoVision version, and which is a pretty good port of it, all things considered. And I loved the hell out of that game. Um, and I still think it holds up as a solid well-designed arcade game and i can see why someone would love that and want to recreate it in 3d what i can't abide is then taking this result of that experiment and selling it for 12.99 on the switch store it's fucking disgusting yeah <laughs> like it's so lazily slapped together as well like it's not just the insipid repetitive gameplay that lacks any compelling features it's the fact that for example the game's three levels are store-bought assets. Yeah. That was discovered in the aftermath of the video. They just bought some assets and plonked a Popeye character model in. These maps are just, like, sparse terrain mm. where the hearts and the letters are dropped down willy-nilly and they don't disappear or anything. There's no time limit. They just sit on the ground. Brutus chases you from behind and then sometimes comes out from in front of you round a corner like he's Jason fucking Voorhees. You can eat spinach because you've got a punch. You can punch, but the punch doesn't work. 
It doesn't hit anything unless you eat spinach first. And then you can uppercut Brutus into the sea. And if you don't, then he'll uppercut you into the sea. And that is it. That's the game. Well, there's also... That's actually also No excuse. There's no excuse. You can't just say, here's an old NES game. And let's face it, most NES games were fucking shit. Most of them were, but this was not... In fact, this was an arcade release that got a Nintendo, an NES port that is very solid and happened to have been developed by Nintendo. That's just, just so clear, and it is a good Nintendo game. Yeah, this one isn't. It is so pathetic, low effort. It needs more elements to justify the environment. Oh yeah, the fact that it's copying another game makes it even worse. It's got less imagination than I thought it had, and I thought it had none. (laughs) I think it would be a curious creative exercise to perform and then realize isn't fun. And then not release. That's the thing. That's the mistake that was made. It got released. Yeah. Because all things considered, I love this idea conceptually of of trying to translate mechanics and out of one thing and into another. And then, you know, how do we adapt them so that they are still fun or, you know, fun in a different way in this space? That is interests me what yeah. doesn't interest me is then expecting people to pay 12.99 for your not fun and you have to know it's not fun you can't even call it a reimagining because there's no imagination it's just rote copying and made worse it feels like it was cobbled together to justify some company still having the license to it. Like, you know, Hellraiser Revelations for Dimension Films or whoever made <laughs> that piece of shit. An Ashcan game, essentially. It's a con. It's, a, it's an actual scam. Indeed. Other uh, stuff I've played this week, uh, I'm, I can very quickly rattle through. Uh, I went back and played some more Animal Crossing because that got it uh, got a big update. The biggest thing I was excited about in the big update, the big free update, was introducing a system by which you can make one change at a time to your island to better suit your playstyle. And one of the ones that was in all the old Animal Crossings was uh, ordinance. That's the word, the late night ordinance, uh, which would instead of having the shops in game close at like ten, nine or ten p.m. real world time, they'd start closing at midnight, and you could level it up, and eventually they'd stay up until like four a.m. In this game. They stay open one hour later, and there's no upgrading it. They, I wanted to play this game on stream, like, 10 till midnight. It's like, oh, we've changed the closing times from 9 and 10 to 10 and 11. And that's real fucking disappointing. Um, that's all I have to say about Animal Crossing update. I'm glad to have an excuse to go back, but just fucking improve the late night ordinance. Steph, you played anything else? Yep. I played, Di- I played Dying Light again, and I don't even know why. Again? Yeah, I, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago where I was like, oh, I remembered why I gave it a 5 out of 10 fucking review. I've remembered again, and this time I'm still playing it. I don't know why. I guess it's just because it's fucking brainless. It's... <laughs> That'll do for that. 
I had other things to say, but as as I was talking, I was like, you know what? It's not fucking worth it. It's it's just an open world game. It's another open world zombie game. Um, so I'll briefly also just touch on um, Resident Evil Revelations One and Two were cheap on the the Ooh, Switch. Yeah. Actually, all the Capcom games right now are cheap on Switch. They they're having a big sale. So I really liked Resident Evil Revelations, uh, the first one when it was on. What was it? Was it the 3DS or yes, the... yeah, yeah, it was on the 3DS. Still holds up. I, I still quite yeah. like it. It's a good little game, you know, for like eight bucks or whatever it is right now. It's, you know, it's all right. Yeah. Resident Evil Revelations, I didn't like so much, and I still don't like it so much. It's just not as good. It doesn't even look as good. There's a film grain effect on it that I. I don't think you can wipe off. I looked in the options because I didn't see a way to take it off. Yeah. And going from like the really clear, crisp visuals that look really nice on like the Switch OLED screen, Resident Evil Revelations looks really nice on the OLED. And then you go on the, the film grainy Resident Evil Revelations 2, and I'm like, this looks worse. And I don't mind. Like I think the film grain effect can work for certain games, but it just doesn't here. Other than that, like, yeah, for, for how much they're costing at the moment, I mean, all the Resident Evils, bar the like seven and eight, are on the Switch. Yeah, and they're all pretty, pretty cheaply priced right now. And I'd recommend every single one except for six. Yeah. The only other thing I played that like I don't have much intelligent to say about it, but I I will briefly talk about it, is I played a game called Dwarf Romantic, which I think I've talked about a little bit before, but I, I gave it a proper play. Um, it is a very light puzzle game about building little villages to nice music using a little hex-based system. You have a stack of hexes, some of them will have objectives that will be like, put the trees on this connected to a hundred other trees or something, and that will encourage you to make a forest and that will get you more tiles for your stack. But largely it's just put together a pretty little village out of nice little hexes. So the regular mode of this is in theory a puzzle game. Um, it's very light on actually requiring you to do anything correctly. And if you fail, the worst that's going to happen is the, the game goes, okay, you, you, you ran out of tiles. You can just continue this in creative mode if you like. You can keep what you were up to and just will give you infinite tiles and control over what you do. I played exactly enough of the normal mode to unlock trains, and I then just had a couple of hours on stream of just having a nice, make a little village with a little virtual train track and put a bunch of trains on it. That was a nice chill time that I would recommend. It is enjoyable. Not much in, else to say if you if you like the idea of putting together a village with minimal puzzle features. It was pretty good. Yeah, it looked very laid back when I saw... I, I only caught a bit of your stream the other day um, after raiding and saw it and was like, that looks pretty chill. It's a real nice, like, hey, do you want, like, just enough direction to feel like you're being given something to work on? But also there's zero pressure. Just just have nice music and put together a little pretty village. It was pretty nice. Uh, have you played anything else, Steph? Or are you is, have you done your list? Uh, I think I have. Yeah. Binding of Isaac Repentance. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That came out kind of quietly. Yeah, I didn't know it was out. Yeah, Binding of Isaac Repentance has come out. Uh, it's, you know, the Binding of Isaac with even more shit. I can understand. Like, I know Conrad's been a bit burnt out on just the constant the sheer volume. Binding of Isaac stuff and additions. This is a substantial one. Obviously, new items, new levels. New sound effects, like they've overhauled some of the sound effects. Really inventive, clever new bosses. One of the new levels is like a mine, and 
one of the bosses is like there are these minecart tracks all over the floor and loads of doors on the sides and this minecart with the boss in it just keeps like coming out of different doors throwing things at you there are like enemies that pick up bits of the environment like the rocks that are there and whiz around and throw them at you the two new levels i've seen so far are like this um watery level where there's the floor is completely covered in water and there are these really nice reflection effects for you and the enemies and things come out of the water and and there's a lot of um enemies that throw projectiles that splash really pretty like the the dark blues and and mood is really pretty and there's the mine of course which is very fire based lots of surprises in terms of what the enemies do a lot of stuff that the game hasn't had them do before so it's very easy to be blindsided until you know one will inevitably get used to it uh, the new music for these levels is really good i i the, the soundtrack additions are really nice and yeah just just this is a huge update and I think this is now officially the final thing they're doing. And I haven't got super far into it because I'm well out of practice, apparently. Yeah. Uh, I suck again. I was doing all right before, but I'm sucking even on, like, strong builds now. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth dipping back into, Laura, um, just because there is it looks like there's so much yeah. and the new levels are really just really atmospheric and I, I love the new... As I said, I love the new music. I feel like it has been long enough that I could probably feel myself playing more of that. Right, should we get on to some newsy bits? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've got a couple of those to uh, go go through. First one, hey, Ubisoft employees have launched a petition seeking public support for improved working conditions. Public, pay attention to that. Yeah. Follow on Twitter at... A better Ubisoft. Yes. Because that's where a lot of the, the Ubisoft employees, uh, the current and former, are voicing, um, you know, what's been going on. They seem really nice. They were very appreciative of my um, backing them up because they've pointed out that despite all of Ubisoft's hot air and Ibshumo's fucking promises, they haven't done anything. Exactly, right. and this is like a really key thing to point out. Like, a lot of a better, U- a better Ubisoft's key demands are things that have not yet been... Nothing's been done about them. Mm-hmm. The things that the employees are asking for have not been actioned. To go over what their their key demands are, uh, stop promoting and moving known offenders from studio to studio and team to team without repercussions. Making sure that staff have a collective seat at the table to have meaningful say in how the company moves forward. Having cross-industry collaboration to set actual ground rules and processes that the industry at large can follow and collaborating with employees in non-management positions and un- union reps. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a lot to ask. Not a lot to ask. No, but over a thousand current and former Ubisoft employees have signed an open letter and basically gone, Hey, general public, please share this and also sign and show your support. Yeah. Like the first, the first one is like so reasonable. That it is shocking it's not happened yet. Don't move sex abusers around the way the Catholic Church moved sex abusers around. Yeah. It's not difficult. Yeah. So again, if you go to at a better Ubisoft on Twitter, you will find links to the uh, petition that they're looking to have signed. 
They are specifically looking to have their demands met within 100 days. They have set a date that they want to see change within. Go show some support. That is an actionable thing you can do to show solidarity with employees at Ubisoft. Yeah. And also stop harassing your own customers. Stop sending those fucking emails. Yeah. Demanding that they get back to playing Far Cry if they stop. (laughs) Oh no, the man man who was in Breaking Bad is going to win if you don't play more. Fucking hell. Uh, You know what? Giancarlo Esposito deserves a win. He can have it. (laughs) Uh, EA wants to make fucking NFT games. Right, yeah. Yeah. This is another one I saw people on the internet fucking trying to, like, defend and simp over. Oh, people who defend NFTs are some of the dumbest fuckers on the internet, and I argue with turfs. Oh. Can I tell you my favourite fucking response I saw to this of someone that very clearly had way more fucking faith in in EA than I think anyone should have. Their response was, well, right now, uh, FIFA Ultimate Team players, you don't own them. You don't own the license to them. You just sort of, you know, you're essentially renting a license to them. That's true. Um, And as such, they can turn off the servers whenever they want and you don't, your old games don't work. But... If they bring in NFTs, they'll be able to have all of your FIFA Ultimate Team stuff move forward between games and you'll properly own it. And and they started spinning this, like, fantastical dream world. And I was like, if EA wanted to let you bring that stuff forward and not be able to sell it to you again, they do so already. They don't need fucking NFTs to do that. No. They're not going to start doing that because of NFTs. I've seen so many justifications, or rather attempted justifications for NFTs, Based on arguments that they can do things that something else could do better. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was streaming the other day and someone said that I I forget which city it was, but they're looking to uh, use NFTs to, I guess, raise money to um, end homelessness. And I'm like, you could end homelessness by filling all the empty fucking houses we have. Yeah. You could end homelessness by housing the people in the houses we have, which has been proven to save money. So not only will you solve homelessness, you will make money doing so. You don't need NFTs for that. That is such an unnecessary middle person. There's no justification for them. Anything an NFT could do, literally something else could do, literally fucking better. Yeah, the uh, NFTs are are fucking garbage and and terrible. Now, I will say... Well, okay. NFTs, as as we are popularly using them now, a, a non fungible token is just a thing, yeah. and there are ways that it can be used that are probably actually kind of valuable. But here's the thing: those aren't sexy. They're never going to be fun. Like people, you know, people people are like, "Oh, the blockchain is going to change the world." And I was like, "Yeah, it probably is." And here, there are some beneficial ways it could do that, like real estate. Like, I mean, I look, I am fundamentally against property ownership, but if you want to reduce fraud in that system, set up a, a blockchain application dedicated to maintaining a record of, of who owns what, and that you're going to solve so many fucking problems. It's a relatively low impact, you know, application because... While there is a fair, you know, a fairly constant flow of exchange of of real property, 
it's not at the volume of a cryptocurrency or NFT transfers, even seemingly. It's a very different world to every single time you buy a FIFA Ultimate Team pack, we're right. going to have to transfer an NFT for every character you just fucking purchased. And even then, like, to the people being like, oh yeah, but that'll force them to let you carry stuff forward. No, they'll just say that the NFT is for the version of the character in that specific game and make you buy it again next time. Like, fuck off. Also... So many people extolling the apparent theoretical virtues of the useful applications of NFTs are themselves using them to own a receipt that says they own a picture of a fucking poorly drawn monkey. (laughs) That fucking monkey. The drawings on Pogs were better. And most of those were shite. I think a lot of them aren't buying them because they are speculating on future value of these NFTs. I think that they're buying in because they're speculating on the value of crypto, generally speaking. This is something that if NFTs are successful, it broadens cultural awareness, cultural investment, economic investment from other parties. And I hate to say it, it is fucking working. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, no, it's working. I mean, I was hoping that, you know, NFTs being as fucking stupid and worthless as they are, I was hoping at least seemingly against hope that... But they exposed the potential for the grift, for the people who want to grift, and we see who wants to grift. I was like, surely this is so dumb that this... This can't last a year, and here we are. Here we are with the fucking corporations now glomming onto it because they've worked out it's yet another avenue to make money doing fucking nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Square Enix sold a million NFTs. Square Enix sold a million of fucking nothing. I hear sometimes people say, oh, you know, but, the, you know, the artists need to be able to make money. Other ways. Find other ways. Because if you are doing an NFT at this point, willingly... You know, of your own volition, and God help you, I understand that your shit can get stolen and and reproduced, and that's a fucking nightmare all unto itself. You have my sympathies. But if you are an artist releasing an NFT at this point, you either do not know or do not care, and it seems impossible to not know at this point. Yeah. You've got no respect for art if you're using NFTs. Just... Go to an artist and com- that you like their work and commission them to make a unique thing that you tell them uh, part of the contractual obligation here is that you do not place it anywhere else, that I am the only person who has it and can do anything with it. And then you have it and only you own it. And if you like shitty apes, get shitty apes. Yeah, yeah commission a brand new shitty ape that you physically own. And you know what? I'm not going to toot my own fucking horn here, right? But historically, when I've commissioned art, not only do I pay for the commission, I let the artist retain the rights. Yeah, yeah, yep. I agree. I've got yeah. my use out of it. The artist is the one that worked on it. And if they want to make more money selling reproductions of that, uh, whether it's music or, or you know, drawings um, or what have you, like, respect the fucking artists. Yeah. The people who make art should be able to continue making money from the art they make. I get a little passionate about NFTs. No, no, I I, I get you. I did a video on Monday. You know, the the last Jimquisition was called NFTs, Nasty Fucking Things. It was 
one of the most impassioned videos I've done in a while. It really pissed off the crypto bros. What? I'm stunned. They seem like such a level-headed lot. And here's one consistent argument I've seen among them. Nah, -uh. <laughs> that's the argument. I've seen Jim Sterling as a fucking moron. I've seen Jim Sterling is misrepresenting NFTs. I've seen outright accusations that I'm lying. They've not explained how or why. They're just going, nope. Yeah. And they've all got that fucking monkey avatar. <laughs> that. I, I've never wanted to slap an ape before. But I wanna slap I wanna slap the shitty sunglasses off its ugly drawn face. But then you just see its ugly drawn eyes underneath. <laughs> oh god. There's a lion as well. I hate the lion too. Oh. So we've got fucking electronic arts now saying, oh, crypto's gonna be a part of gaming's future. We've got Square Enix going, oh, we wanna use the blockchain. And we've got Ubisoft, not, as I said before, not content to abuse its own employees, abuse the fucking planet as well. This is the new anime girl avatar. 100%. Oh, if you see the shitty fucking oh. ape. <laughs> Yeah. Unless it's someone who's made it their profile pic to piss off crypto bros. Um, oh, by the way, they love all the I'm not owned, I'm not owned, to <laughs> paraphrase the drill tweet. The best ones are like where people are pissing off the crypto bros by doing the whole, well, I'm going to right click and save your Twitter avatar or your, your fucking monkey pic. And they pretend they're not pissed off at that. <laughs> and the best one I saw was, again, someone... I forget what exactly they said about me, but they were like, they're wrong and they're an idiot and um, all of that. And they've brought all of the right click save idiots to me. And then I quote tweeted them. I was like, you know, why would... Oh, yeah, they, they said that I made the argument that you can right click and save them, which I didn't. And I explained it to them no. by saying... Why on earth would I want to right-click and save that fucking <laughs> ugly monkey picture you idiots worship so much? To which... To, 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 right, I'm gonna... I'm, right. To which the response was, they slash them took the bait. Now everyone's right-clicking and saving my picture to spread my ape across Twitter. Uh. Spread my ape! That's a phrase oh. that's now burrowed into my brain like a tick. They, they keep doing this. They're all, oh, they took the bait. Like, because I pointed out their lack of an argument and now they're all there. Yeah. Like, they, they, oh, God, they, the language they speak as well. It's barely passable. It's all jargon and meme talk. Yeah. Uh, we got one other story today. It's a nice little quick one, and it's one we've talked about before, but I think the fact that it's now happening twice again this week bears discussion. Nintendo has a real problem that they're going to need to work out how to address if they, w if they want to do so, but we, we can't deny it's a thing that's happening, of their games leaking in playable states before they're officially released, in fully playable emulatable forms. For example... Just as a quick reference, this week, the new Pokemon games, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, both 
already leaked. I mean, technically only Brilliant Diamond is leaked, but apparently <laughs> it's the exact same fucking game. You change one little bit of the file and it becomes the other game. The whole game's in there. It, it is literally just a fucking switch that you can change in the emulator. Proof if proof be needed that the Pokemon games have always been a fucking scam. Yeah, yeah. But like that has leaked a couple of weeks early and so has Shimigami Tensei Five. Complete playable state, working perfectly well in an emulator and... I mean, I know that it's a taboo to talk about, but this is a thing that Nintendo wants to pretend isn't happening, but mm -hmm. is uniquely impacting them. That they have a unique issue of their get their console being very emulatable. And behind closed doors, behind closed doors, they're Googling, can a ROM be an NFT? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know if there's anything in, in intelligent I have to add to this other than we had this story with Metroid Dread and I suspect we're going to get it here again where it's not only going to be playable first by people on PC with emulators, but probably running at better frame rates or higher resolutions. And Nintendo is going to at some point have to wrestle with the fact that a better experience is being provided by pirates in many cases than they themselves are offering. Piracy is a service problem. Yeah. I mean, like, a, a, a suggestion I would make off the top of my head, if you know that your game has leaked online already, maybe that's a moment to go, okay, maybe we just start selling it now. We try and push that forward a bit ahead of its planned release date, at least digitally. Oh, you're gonna f fuck retailers, though. And I know that it's hard, but yeah. then that, but that matters. Yeah, yeah, it's... I, I know there's no easy solutions to it, but I also know Nintendo's gonna have to eventually grapple with it because this is not a problem the other console manufacturers are having. Well, I, you know, like they they have agreements that they probably can't violate in that in that respect, yeah. and like that's I mean, it sucks, but they need to figure out how it is their shit's getting leaked. Well, yeah, they need if they if they want to stop this, they need to work out like what can they do with their software to make it harder to do this with or like where in the supply chain is this happening because right now games are often running better and faster and sooner for pirates i mean <laughs> cry me a river no i i'm not saying that i personally think this is a problem i'm sure this is more a case of this is a thing that nintendo doesn't want to address but i feel like it's like it's a conversation that we're, we're going to have to, that we, you know, to be aware of. This is a thing that keeps happening to Nintendo, and the more times that video game websites end up having to run headlines about such and such a game is has already leaked. Stay off the internet if you don't want spoilers. Brackets, we're, we're not going to say it, but, like, it's out there if you want to find mm -hmm. it. Like, the more times that happens, the more people are going to go, maybe I'll look into the effort of piracy. Well, that's the thing. I, I did a video on the Metroid Dread leak a while back and pointed out, like, this is the kind of conversation that has us question the value of games, especially as the prices of games are being hiked up. Yeah. It is a real question of, if, if there are people out there who can play that game right now, and I can't pay you money to play it for several weeks, that is a situation where I'm gonna go, I mean, maybe piracy. Yeah. Like, that's that's the situation that leads to piracy. Like, I was I was considering, and still am, batting around the idea of getting Pokemon, um, probably Pearl. Yeah. And it has me questioning now, like, knowing that a flag 
could turn it from one game into the other. Like, I'm buying one game that could be two. Like, that has me wondering, like, am I an idiot if I buy Pokemon Pearl? That is a very valid question to ask. And, you know, that then leads into the questions of, if this is a piece of software I have purchased, do I have the right to pay for a copy, flick the Switch myself somehow, and play the other copy that I didn't purchase, but I have. It's it's on the disc. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of interesting questions that need to come out of this, I think. Also, fuck the term play to earn. I know that brings us mm. back to the NFT oh, thing, yeah. but fuck play to earn. Like, 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 publishers need a, like more excuse to turn games into grindy, artless shit. Play to fucking play. Oh, I'm. I know. In a few years' time, I'm gonna get so fucking sick of play to earn. I'm sick of it now. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That metaverse. <laughs> Ah, I think that's everything we got for this week. I think it is. I think it yeah, is. I think we did it, yeah. Um, we've got everything we've got for this week. But what do we have for now, then, and forever oh. to steal wholesale WWE's old tagline <laughs> when it comes to content from Laura Kate Dale, a.k.a. Laura K. Buzz? I mean, the main thing right now is uh, Who Hunts the Whale? It is a satirical, definitely fictional novel about the, the world of AAA exploitative game development. It's definitely fiction. Go search Who Hunts the Whale on Unbound. Uh, you can get a signed copy or a, your name in the back of the book, stuff like that. Uh, also, go check out the gymporium.com where there's little enamel pins and a little logo with the trans pride wings. They're real cute little enamel pins. Go check those out. Otherwise, Laura K. Buzz in all the places, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. I do podcasts, Pixel Squirts about video game porn, Queer and Pleasant Strangers is where I talk about the stuff I do that isn't video games, and Dice Funk, it's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Conrad, you used to be on that. I used to be on that. Now you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. You can buy all sorts of anti-capitalist propaganda and sticker and button form at pinfultruth.com um, or at thegymporium.com. It's the same place now. Uh, but there's all... Uh, all sorts of good stuff you can purchase there. And then uh, you can also watch me on Twitch a few days a week at twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. I've been doing a lot of just chill music and uh, grinding out sticker streams and things like that lately. And, and that's been a lot of fun. So if, if you want, come hang out for that. And everything I do gets supported on Patreon, patreon.com slash fist shark. And you know who else has a Patreon? <gasps> who? James Stephanie Sterling. Yeah, fuck the Patreon. Oh. You... <laughs> I'm looking at... They've announced a game, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> right. It is a Souls-like, aesthetically looks incredibly like Bloodborne. And you play Pinocchio. Oh, yeah. The fucking Pinocchio Bloodborne shit. Lies of P. I'm looking at a gameplay trailer. It's all fucking puppets. And you're Pinocchio. Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. 
that uh, helps fund all of the content, uh, this podcast, the Gymquisition, of course, and other video work. Uh, I do streams uh, every Monday afternoon, sometimes other days as well, for a nice treat. Uh, I do that at Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling. Um, last time we played that, M- that Mars game that I talked about last week, and the developer dropped into the chat. Um, right as I was yeah. saying, the game is bad, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm having fun. And they took that. They were like, you know, we'll, we'll have that. Uh, and then in game gave me a pumpkin and a skeleton costume and there was talk of some sort of steph sterling items in the game oh Oh dear that's the kind of fun we have the streams have been really good lately so i i recommend checking them out not just because it's me but because it's well it's me um (laughs) that'll do well this weekend uh saturday november 13th uh, it, it is Rise's next show, Penultimate Rise. I will be there to sign a contract with Brandon Kay where, for the match I'll be having with him in December, uh, the I Quit match for full control of Rise Wrestling. If you can swing by that in the Pittsburgh area, that would be fantastic. Um, and then on December 11th, it is the big anniversary show of Rise, last show of the year, where I will be fighting Brandon Kay in an I Quit match. <laughs> um, it will be the most violent thing I've ever done and that's that uh thank you all so much fuck the bbc and Mm -hmm. we will see you next week bye bye bye